You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 147. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Today is January 12th, 2014, and I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. So welcome to 2014. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, I'll be talking a little bit about Christmas and Christmas traditions and New Year's Eve and New Year's Day traditions. So I guess the first thing I should say is uh, I hope everyone had a good and uh, happy and safe holiday over the uh, 2013 holidays, I know that that we did. I'll be talking a little bit about that. Um, I, it is. Uh, I I live in Oklahoma, so it is tradition here to say Merry Christmas today. I know a lot of people say Happy Holidays, but this is a very um, overall religious part of the country, so people are pretty adamant here about saying Merry Christmas. I've heard some people on other podcasts. Um, mentioning other things like happy Hanukkah and, um, uh, happy, I think it's happy. Would you say happy Kwanzaa? Um, and so I don't mean to slight those things. I don't personally know anyone who celebrates Hanukkah here in Oklahoma. Um, but, um, I certainly don't mean to exclude those people. So, uh, or anyone in anything that they celebrate. So whatever you celebrate, I hope that you had uh, good and, and happy celebrations with friends and family. I also hope that you had a good New Year's Eve. And uh, here we are in 2014. I took a little bit of time away off from the podcast. I did not record, I don't think I recorded any You Don't Know Flax in December, um, which is a little disappointing. I was trying to push towards the end um, to meet my goals. And actually, we've got a little bit of time to talk about those goals in the future of the podcast while I load up. Uh, you know, I, I worked on the podcast during December a little bit. I saved little bits and pieces on my trusty Commodore 64. If you didn't know that, I record this on the Commodore 64 and then I play it back. So I need to load the episode into my PC, convert it over from the uh, Commodore where it is currently stored. So while I convert that over, we have a little bit of time to chat uh, during a little segment that we like to call loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. So in 2013, based on my numbers, I released 26 episodes of You Don't Know Flack. That is 50% lower, 50% the number that I had hoped to release. I had hoped to release one a week, and that's 52 episodes. So I did exactly half that. I'm not sure how I did half that because it seemed like I was uh, on track, and I know I missed a week here and there, but it didn't seem like I missed a week every other week. But I know there were a few little stretches, especially towards the end of the year. I got a little bit of podcast burnout, I would say, um, not from other 
people's shows. I, I've been contributing to a few other podcasts. Um, you know, I, I, I am a co-host of Throwback Reviews now with my buddy Sean. Uh, plus, I did some little guest segments for uh, Guy Hutchison's um, podcast, The Adventure Club podcast with uh, uh, Guy Hutchison and John Jay. And uh, I've been submitting little tidbits to Ferg's 2600 Game by Game podcast. And so uh, for me, it doesn't feel like I took a break from podcasting, but for people that only uh, listen to me on You Don't Know Flack, they're like, well, where where's Flack? So here I am. I'm here. It's 2014. I didn't go anywhere. Um, so 2013 for me was a pretty good year as far as podcasting go. I had a lot of uh, podcasts, a lot of episodes that got some real traction. Um, it, it's funny because a lot of the podcasts that I do that are what I would consider to be on topic, um, things like talking about MAME cabinets or arcade games or video games, things like that, those seem to get less downloads. It's funny, I get more feedback from them, but less downloads than some of the other ones. The Episodes I got the most downloads for last year were the Ninja episode, the episode about making podcasts. Um, there were a few others. And by the way, I've had a lot of feedback on that one. I'm so glad I did that episode. I've had a lot of people say that they have been thinking about doing a podcast, but they just never got started. And they listened to that episode, and it's pushed them over the edge. There's been a lot of new podcasts shoot up around the end, end of uh, 2013, so I'm really happy about that. So for 2014, what are the plans? Well, I plan to continue You Don't Know Flack. I also, in 2013, started a new show called Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle uh, is, or I might say was, a video-based show uh, where I was reviewing Commodore 64 games. I would show the video and throw them up on YouTube. Uh, and it's been fun. I did enjoy doing it, but... I don't know that I have the time or effort to continue a video-based show, but I really want to continue with a Commodore-themed podcast. So what I'm going to do in 2014 is relaunch Sprite Castle as an audio-based podcast. Now, what I may do is also, uh, if I have time, release videos in conjunction with those episodes. So I may do a, a podcast about a certain game and then I may also upload gameplay footage on YouTube and then throw the link in there or something like that. So if people want to go see the videos, they can still do that. But I want to relaunch that as a audio based show. So for 2014, my goal is to record one podcast a week and I'm going to alternate those. So every other week I'm going to release an episode of You Don't Know Flack. And every other week, I'm going to release an episode of Sprite Castle. Uh, I don't have an iTunes or RSS feed. Uh, well, RSS feed is easy. Um, it's posted there on the WordPress uh, website for Sprite Castle, which is just spritecastle.com. Uh, so you can get your RSS feed that way. Or you can um, go to throwbacknetwork.net. That was another uh, big success we had in 2013 was Sean and I from Throwback Reviews, set up throwbacknetwork.net, our little retro podcasting affiliation network. And we got some great shows on Throwback Network, just 
you know, all the favorite podcasts that I like listening to, we've been sucking those in and getting them on uh, Throwback Network. So if you want to go to throwbacknetwork.net, you can see uh, Sprite Castle will be on there. You Don't Know Flack is on there. No Quarter podcast is on there. The 2600 Game by Game podcast is on there. Um, gosh, and Televisionaries is on there. Doug McCoy's podcasts are on there. Um, I think we added uh, Floppy Days podcast we've we've added a couple of new ones so there's just all kinds of cool stuff on there and and we're looking for more retro themed shows to add there too we've got there's so many retro computer and retro video game uh podcasts out there that it's hard that we don't we didn't really set out to make throwback network the retro video game uh network or the retro computer network and we love all the shows that are on there now but we're trying to find some good retro podcasts that would be a good fit maybe ones that talk about toys or or movies other kind of retro things so we've got our eye out on that but anyway for 2014 what i'm gonna try to do for this new year is keep you don't know flack down to 60 minutes uh do a one hour show of you don't know flack roughly 60 minutes give or take a few minutes and sprite castle i think i'm gonna try to keep at 30 minutes um they're gonna focus on one game, you know, a specific game. So I, I, I think that'd be a, a pretty good time. So anyway, that that's part of my goals for 2014. Um, and then of course, uh, along with Sprite Castle and you don't know Flack, I'll still be doing throwback reviews with Sean. Um, you can find us over at throwbackreviews.com or on throwback network. Um, we have a lot of cool stuff for throwback review set up, uh, this coming year, we got some cool guests coming in, uh, some cool guests we're trying to get, um, but it, it's, uh, it's a really laid back show. We just get on and we talk about either a retro movie or a, a retro topic of some sort. And we're having a lot of fun doing that show. So, and th- th- like I've said before, the thing I like the most about that show is I don't have to do any work. <laughs> Sean does all the heavy lifting on that one. So I, I show up with my mic and a beer and we get online and we talk about whatever it is we're going to talk about. We all have a good time. And then Sean is the one that has to make that one sound good and, uh, get everything uploaded and stuff. So. Um, but yeah, that, that shows a lot of fun too. So we will continue doing that as well. And that sounds like this episode of you don't know flat has finished loading. So let's go ahead and get started with the first episode of 2014 talking about Christmas and new year's Eve. Now I know some of this material is going to be retreaded material. It's things you've already heard before. And unfortunately I did, um, two back-to-back episodes of the adventure club podcast. So if you listen to that podcast, you may have heard some of these stories and some of these thoughts. Um, we also talked about Christmas on throwback reviews and, uh, I sent in some Atari Christmas memories to Ferg's 2600 game by game podcast. So it all, I'm, I'm almost Christmas out. you know, it's January now Christmas is behind us, but I really wanted to do an episode. Um, it seems like for all those shows that I, I told a story here, a story there, a little things, but I didn't go through things chronologically, you know, and sometimes that's what I like to do. I like to talk about things from beginning to end the way I remember them. And so that's one reason why I wanted to do a, a Christmas type episode and a New Year's episode. So uh, I was uh, when I was born, we lived in a small, I want to say thousand square foot house. It could have been smaller than that. It was a little tiny house, a starter home, they call it. And um, 
we lived there until I was four years old. And when I was four, we moved to the house that I grew up in, the house that my dad still lives in. I have a few Christmas memories, but they're pretty foggy about that first house. The The most clear one that I have was the time that I remember asking my mom. This this would, must have been the last Christmas we were there. This would have been, oh, 1977. So I would have been four years old. I remember asking my mom, uh, how does how is Santa going to visit us? Because that house did not have a fireplace or a chimney. You know, as a kid, you learn that Santa comes down the, the chimney and do the fireplace. And so my mom said that, well, she would leave the back door unlocked so Santa could come in. And I remember being terrified as a four-year-old kid that someone was going to break into our house. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I do have some memories, some Christmas memories of that house. But I think a lot of it is, you know, my dad took a lot of pictures of our family growing up. And so I look at the pictures and I, I may just be remembering the pictures. I remember we had a, a Christmas train that we set up every year and that continued to the new house. We had um, uh, a pretty small tree in that house. Um, so I don't remember a whole lot more than that, but where my Christmas memories start is really at the house I grew up in, which we moved to in the, uh, early summer, the late spring, early summer of 1978. And I turned five at the end of the summer of 1978. So each year we had several things that we did that were Christmas traditions, uh, I would say the first thing, probably one of the, the earliest things that we did each Christmas season was going out and looking at Christmas lights. There were a couple of neighborhoods in this area that were known for decorating, putting up Christmas lights and things like that. So we would uh, get in a car and drive to these neighborhoods and just drive around and look at people's Christmas lights. These weren't um, commercial displays like you have today, like sponsored by somebody or or put up by, you know, the city, like what we have now here. Um, this was just neighborhoods where people got together and, and everybody agreed. I, I used to think everybody agreed. It turns out one of them, at least, that was part of the um, uh, homeowners association. They were required to decorate for Christmas. But um, So that that's one of the first things I remember that we would do in the Christmas season each year was get in the car, go drive around and look at Christmas lights. Um, also pretty early on, we would go get our tree. We always had a real... Christmas tree. Uh, we never had in my, my parents' house, we never had a fake tree, uh, which is kind of funny because I think I'm allergic to real Christmas trees. I remember I would sometimes help my dad carry the, the real tree into the house and help him set it up. And then the next day, my whole arm would be broken out <laughs> from uh, everywhere where I had touched the tree and uh, got the sap on me. And uh, I'm allergic to I've, I have bad sinuses and allergies and things like that. I'm allergic to, um, all the, the, whatever the, like the cotton that's in the air and the pollen and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty miserable for me, uh, certain times of year here in Oklahoma. And so I do remember really enjoying the smell of the Christmas tree, but also trying to stay away from it and not touch it too much. Uh, but we always did the, the decorating in the tree. My mom would get out the ornaments, you know, this, the special ornaments or whatever. And, and, um, we would hang the ornaments and, and, um, put up tinsel. We were a big tinsel family where we would sprinkle the tinsel, uh, on the tree. And then I remember, I remember my mom cursing, trying to get the, uh, tinsel out of the vacuum cleaner. It would kind of wrap around the little, <laughs> little thing in there that, that rotated 
we also set up, like I said, a Christmas train around our tree every year. It was an old train that my uh, dad had bought, I believe. And um, we we even, a few years, we had gone and got some railroad-related models. I remember we had two or three, like a little house and a bridge and a few things. And so we would set those up around the tree. Um, we It wasn't a a big, uh, I mean, we weren't big model builders. I, I didn't build a lot of models as a kid, but I remember, you know, snapping these together or whatever and setting up a little train scene. And, um, it, it's amazing to a kid how entertaining a model railroad thing can be. I mean, this is basically an oval and, and you have the thing back then, you know, where, where you just had the very simple, like forward stop reverse and a train would go forward. Occasionally it would go reverse. And, and, uh, I remember one of the models, um, it was like a little two-story house or something. It came with some plastic barrels. And so I would drive the train around and take the barrels and put it in the train and then drive it around and pull the barrels out and put them by the house and drive it around, you know, and, and of course, giving uh, Star Wars people rides on the train, put them in the, uh, uh little cargo. There's a, like a little flatbed car. And then there was like a, a brown, you know, box type car that, that uh, was open on the top and you'd put Star Wars things in there and drive them around, drive them back. So it doesn't seem like there's that much to it, you know, but uh, uh, it, it kept us entertained for sure. The uh, I do remember for around Christmas Eve is when we would make our Christmas cookies for Santa. So we would make a few little cookies so we would have something to put out for Santa. Um, then we would around when it got evening time on Christmas Eve. I, I should mention that we always listen to Christmas music. My mom always had Christmas albums. Uh, Gene Autry was a big one. Um, just all those, those type, that era, you know, of, of fifties and sixties Christmas music. And we had the radio on a lot in our living room too. So there would be Christmas music playing, uh, in the living room. So it's Christmas Eve and my sister and I, would put the cookies out on our little fireplace mantle and a cup of milk. You had to put a glass of milk. And then we would have to go to our room by, I think, 10 o'clock. Now, they would come on the news and, and you know, they would always say, well, we have sightings of Santa. And that was like, that was your cue that you had to get up and go to your room. So uh, my sister and I, now my sister's three years younger than me. So uh, when we moved to the house uh, that I grew up in, I mean, I was almost five and her birthday is uh we're both, uh, we both have August birthdays. So I was about to turn five. So she would have been about to turn two. So I'm sure she doesn't remember the, uh, the other house, but we'd both go to our room and the rules in our house was that once you went to your room on Christmas Eve, you did not come out until 6am the following morning. Uh, so we would go to our rooms and, um, I would sleep. I can remember, I remember one year where I, I don't think I slept at all. I just laid in there in my stomach and knots wondering what was going to happen. I was very nervous about, uh, Santa coming and what, what kind of gifts would I get, you know? So I didn't get a lot of sleep on Christmas Eves. Uh, and my sister and my room were each at the end of a long hallway. And so, uh, if we laid in our beds, and left our doors open. We could see each other all the way down the hallway. And we'd sit there and stare at each other on Christmas Eve. Um, so in the spring of 1978, I talked about this a little bit. I talked about it in Commodore, I know. Uh, every year, 
my dad would work a lot of overtime. And so when we would get our tax refund, he would get a bunch of money back. And so each year in the March or April, that type of year when we got our, um, or that time of year when we got our money back, our refund, he would buy something for the house, like a, a family type gift. And so in 1978, he bought a VCR and a, it came with a video camera. Now the video camera uh, j- just connected to the VCR and it was a black and white camera. It did, did do sound. Um, and it was a thousand dollars. So it was a thousand dollars for the VCR and this black and white camera. So starting that very first year that we lived in that, the house that I grew up in 1978, my dad would set up the VCR, uh, and the camera and have it, you know, pointed in the living room. So 6 AM, my sister and I would come out and, uh, my dad would, you know, make sure to have the camera turned on. And I think the first thing that we would do is we would notice what gifts Santa had brought us. Now Santa didn't wrap any gifts in our household. So, uh, whatever gifts were sitting out under the tree that weren't wrapped, you knew that's what Santa had brought and dropped off. They might be on the fireplace mantle, but, or, you know, somewhere in the living room, but you would see the things that Santa brought. So that would be the first thing you would notice. Uh, and once you had seen those and looked at those, uh, the next thing, I think we would immediately go over to the fireplace because you had to see if Santa, I mean, you knew Santa had been there because you just saw these gifts, but you would see that he had drank the glass of milk and that he had eaten the cookies. He wouldn't eat all the cookies. You know, there'd be a little bit left and some crumbs so that you, you know, he didn't just take the cookies. You knew Santa had eaten the cookies. And, uh, the next thing for us would be to empty our stockings. So our stockings were hung by the chimney with care. They were actually hung right next to the fireplace and we would take those down and that would be, sometimes there'd be candy in those. Sometimes there would be small things Now I have a very specific memory. I remember 1978 dumping my stocking out and it being full of star Wars action figures. There was Luke and there was R2D2 and C3PO and Han Solo and Chewbacca and all the figures that came out in 1978. They were basically all sitting there uh, in my stocking. And uh, I've joked before, I think I joked about this in the, the um, Star Wars episode that I did with Earl Green from the logbook. Uh, a little part of me wishes that Santa had not uh, opened the blister cards and had left those sealed. Uh, and I would still have those today and then I could sell them and, and send my kids through college. But he did. Santa did open those. And so I found all those in my stocking. Um so once you went through your stocking and you saw you know, it was full of little things and stuff like that, then it was time to open gifts. And so um, pretty much my my parents, my mom, my dad, me, and either me or my sister would find a place to sit and sit down. Now, this is, of course, you know, there's a, a logistics issue going on here because my dad is trying to videotape Christmas. <laughs> so kids are not very good, especially at Christmas, at sitting still. So uh we would uh, sit down on the floor, you know, and see what Santa brought us. My dad would point the camera and then we would run off to the stockings and we would sit somewhere else. And then my dad would get up and, and point the camera over there. And then we would get up and, and run and see what was under the tree. So I'm sure he had a, a fun time trying to, to record all this action. Uh, but, but once we got settled, he would point the camera and one of us would play Santa. Um, and so to play Santa, what you did was, was you went to the tree and you got your, your gifts, you know, and you would pull each gift out and say, oh, this is one for, 
for Rob or this is one for it says to mom, you know, and so you would get the gifts and you would deliver it to wherever the person was sitting and then you would just kind of sit in your one spot and open your gifts and go through your your big pile of stuff that way. So that's that's basically what I remember. Um we had um other than than uh, just my immediate family, we had the family on my mom's side who would uh send us little gifts, you know, um, little things. And then we had the family on my dad's side who all lived out of town in Chicago. And so they sent a lot of clothes. They sent, I think, I'm sure they sent some toys, you know, I, my, uh, uh, Pam and Jerry, um, they're actually my dad's cousins. We always refer to them as aunts and uncles. They always sent us really great Christmas gifts. Um, and so I, I just, um, I remember burning through, Christmas presents, opening them up. And one, one memory I do have, I mentioned this on adventure club podcast, but my dad worked at a printing press. And so they would always have leftover rolls of white papers that the paper got too small for them to use in the, the printing press. They would take them off and they would throw them away. And my dad would bring those home. So, uh, it would be a giant white roll of printing paper I mean, like glossy, heavy paper. And so a lot of our Christmases, I remember all of our Christmas gifts would be wrapped in white paper <laughs> because it would just be this leftover white paper from the printing presses. Um, so I guess the other thing that I would say about the presents is since my sister and I, we both have summer birthdays. So it was like you would go half the year and then you would have your birthday in the summer and you would get some presents and then you would go almost half the year and then you would have Christmas, you know. So it was really evenly spaced. I kind of feel bad. My son's birthday is two weeks before Christmas. And so, I, you know, we, we try, we really make a, a hard effort to make a distinction between his birthday and Christmas. My uh, my friend Jeff, his dad's birthday is on Christmas and, and actually I have an uncle whose birthday is on Christmas. So... Um, it's definitely difficult, especially when you're a kid to, to differentiate between those two things, I'm sure. So, uh, for my sister and I, it was really easy. I, I mentioned that my dad took lots and lots of pictures, um, as we were growing up and he took lots of pictures on Christmas mornings. So I have some great pictures of Christmases and, and some of the gifts that I got. And, uh, so I flipped through some of these just to, to, you know, jog some of my memories. Uh, of course the biggest thing, I mean, almost every year from 78 until probably 83, 84, 85 was star Wars for me. I always got star Wars things for Christmas. Um, in 78, I mentioned, I got all the action figures and I have a picture of me in my bedroom with all the action figures, the land speeder, the tie fighter and the X wing fighter. Uh, so I'm not sure if I got all those from, might've been some from Santa, some from mom and dad, maybe some from relatives. I don't know, but, but I did get all that stuff that first year. Um, I remember in school writing a letter to Santa and telling him, uh, I, the teacher had, had asked me to clarify something. And now looking back, I understand why, but I had said that I'd wanted a slave for Christmas, but I, what I really wanted was the slave one, which was, <laughs> Boba Fett's uh, a spaceship was the slave one. Uh, so I think there may have been some misunderstanding there, but I remember getting the, the Death Star. I remember getting the Millennium Falcon, uh, all these things for Christmas. I remember in, um, it must've been either 83 or 84 getting the, um, troop transport, the big rebel 
ship that looked like a giant, the, we used to call it the space pickle that you could put all your figures in. So I just have so many good star Wars related, uh, Christmas memories. Uh, there was one year that uh, my sister and I were kind of into music, I guess. And that year I got a guitar an acoustic guitar. And I also got a Mr. Microphone, which was a wireless microphone that you could set your radio to. And it's like a FM, uh, you know, like a FM, uh, what do they call it? Like a broadcaster that you get in your car now or FM transmitter that you can hook your phone up to or something. It'll play through radio. It was like that. Um, and, uh, I have often wondered, I think that it had a, a stronger range than what I was aware of. So I've always wondered if, if maybe I was singing and playing guitar into the neighbor's radios, I guess I'll never know, um, the truth about that. Um, I remember when you were getting Capsella. I don't know if anybody remembers Capsella. It was a, a tool, uh, toy that was made of these little round capsules and they kind of connected together like Legos, but they had gears in them. There were some that had motors and batteries and there were, um, wheels and pontoons where you could float and propellers and all these things. So you could build like little cars and planes and all this stuff. And I remember getting these Capsella sets and, and um, I got like two or three different sets and I would, you know, mix and match and put them all together and, and, um, mess with that stuff. So that, that was really cool. Uh, and then there was the year that I got a go-kart. My parents, um, got me a go-kart and I think I was probably 11 or 12. I mean, I'd already had a motorcycle at that point. I had a motorcycle like in third grade. We lived just outside city limits, but having, having a go-kart and it was a two seater one. So when my friends came over, we could go for rides and things like that. Uh, I also, I remember getting an aquarium. That was a big deal for me as a kid. I wanted an aquarium and actually this is a sad story. I don't think I've told this story, but, um, I got an aquarium and I got like, uh, like a big fish, I don't know what it was like, but like a bigger fish and then a bunch of smaller fish and the smaller fish kept disappearing and the bigger fish kept getting bigger. And so eventually we figured out, it didn't take very long to figure out what was going on. And then, um, a, one of my aunts for Christmas got me this plastic, uh, dinosaur. And I thought that would be so cool to put in the aquarium. So I put it in the aquarium and there was something on the dinosaur, either the paint or the the clear coat or something, but it came off in the water and it killed all the fish. So for a while, I just had a a plastic dinosaur standing in an aquarium. Uh, I was not very good at taking care of things like that. I mean, I I could feed fish, but that was about it, you know, so, and it didn't really help. They didn't, they didn't, uh, fish didn't do very good in my care. Um, as far as technology, I remember getting, uh, some computer games. I remember one year for Christmas, I got a copy of Karatika, which I still love Karatika. Um, it's a, a great, great game, but I beat the game about an hour after we got it. I mean, we opened it up, you know, and then that, that, uh, later that day I put it in the computer. I think it was for the Apple too. And I played Karatika and I beat it. And then I told my dad, I was like, yeah, I already beat that game. And uh, you know, he was like, you already beat it. I'm like, yeah. And so we boxed it up and we went back to the mall and my dad was like, you know, we, 
we played this game and he already beat it or something. And uh, I, he might have even told them that we already had it or something. And they just exchanged it. They were like, oh, well, you know, I mean, it certainly it just wasn't as big of a deal as it is today. And so uh, we traded it in and got Wizardry. Uh, and I played Wizardry for years. I did not beat Wizardry in an hour. So uh, that was a good good trade. But I, I do remember having Karataka and Wizardry. Um, I do remember getting some Atari games. I remember, uh, I think I mentioned on, uh, maybe on Ferg's podcast that there was a year that I got, uh, the Empire Strikes Back and my sister got Strawberry Shortcake. I remember because they were both Parker Brothers games for the Atari 2600 and we had to alternate in the living room, either like a half hour or an hour or something like that, take turns because we each wanted to play our games and, um, yeah, I am ashamed to admit that I that I played a lot of that Strawberry Shortcake game, and I remember all the little tunes and stuff. Uh, so, good memories uh, playing Atari, playing computer games. After each morning, each Christmas morning, after we opened all our Christmas gifts, after everything was done, we would have breakfast, and for breakfast we would have waffles. The waffles, you had to have waffles. Everything else, I guess, was probably optional, but you had eggs and bacon, and we would have milk and orange juice and stuff like that, but we would we had to have waffles. Uh, and that's going to be important here coming up later. Uh, so then we would take it easy for a little while, and then after that we had to go to Grandma's house. We had to go visit Grandma, and so we were allowed to take one toy. So we would pick one present, whatever that present was, and then we would go over to my grandma's house. And sometimes some of the other cousins and aunts and uncles would, would meet us over there and we would hang out, see everybody for an hour. You know, as a kid, uh, you know, we didn't, you know, care about seeing grandma. No offense to grandma. Well, she, grandma's dead. She's not listening, but she could be listening. <laughs> but the point is we were not interested in seeing grandma or whatever. We were interested in playing with our toys and seeing what the other cousins got. So that was really the highlight for us as kids. Um, so I do remember doing that. And then after that, we would go home and everybody would take a really long nap. I, I think my sister and I probably took a really long nap. Our naps probably started in the car on the way from grandma's house. It was about a half hour drive. So I'm sure we, we probably fell asleep on the way home. So anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit about Christmas now. Um, my wife and I have been married since 1995. We have two kids who are now, uh, my son just turned 12 and my daughter is eight. And we've kind of taken a combination of her Christmas traditions and my family's Christmas traditions and put those things together. Uh, and my family, I believe we would put our tree up pretty much right around after Thanksgiving. I mean, like December 1st, we would have a tree up and it would stay up until Christmas. And then either like the day after Christmas, we would take our tree down. But my wife, they would put their tree up the week of Christmas and leave it up until New Year's. And so we kind of combine those things. And so now we literally have a tree up for over a month. We put a tree up right after Thanksgiving and the tree is up till at least New Year's. And I'm saying tree singular, but we have like four, at least four trees in this house, maybe one, I, five. I mean, but they're a lot of them are really small. Like we have the main tree, which is in our living room. And then we have a second tree that I don't know where it came from, but it's in the back um, living room kind of area, like in the kitchen area. And then we have a little small tree that, that um, showed up one year. And I guess that's my tree because the ornaments and stuff that I have, my little Star Wars M&M guys. And I just got this year some miniature um, video game controllers 
those are on there. And I also got, this is, um, I, I've mentioned it before on the show, but Mealy Monsterland, who makes these little tiny monsters that are just so awesome. They're very adorable. But uh, a couple of the ones that I have are ornaments. And so I, I put those on my little Christmas tree this year. So that was fun. And then the kids decided at some point they wanted Christmas trees in their room. So they got some of those little artificial, I don't know how tall they are, like three-foot trees. And Morgan has a pink one and Mason has a blue one. So they put trees in their room and they put stuff on it. So, yes, there's pretty much Christmas tree all over our house now. Um, my tree is, is probably the saddest. My tree is, I mean, it's a few has a few more branches than Charlie Brown's tree, but... Um, uh, but that's pretty much what that looks like. Um, I have tried to implement star Wars in many areas of Christmas around this house. And almost all those things have been vetoed. <laughs> we bought a, uh, we bought a, a Yoda thing for the yard last year that lights up. And uh, I don't know what happened. Look, I think either it was Imperial troopers, uh, or my wife or a neighborhood dog, but somebody destroyed it. Um, I'm, I'm hoping it was a dog and not, um, my wife, like in a Christmas story where, where, um, someone quote unquote accidentally broke the leg lamp. I don't think someone accidentally broke Yoda. Um, I also bought, I found a few years ago, I found a little Yoda that, that lights up and you're supposed to use it as a, like an angel on top of your tree. And I was told, um, that no, that we would not be putting Yoda on top of our tree, that we would be putting an angel. So that got vetoed. Uh, we do have uh, Star Wars stockings. <laughs> There's a Darth Vader and a Yoda stocking. I think Mason has one and I have the other. So we do have that. And I have some of the uh, Star Wars Christmas miniature like collectibles. The the Yoda dressed up as Santa Claus and the R2-D2 with um, the little basket. And I have a Darth Vader where he's like making a um, a big... It looks like he's making a snowman, but it's actually the... the um, Death Star he's making out of snow. So I, I tend to put those around the house. And um, uh, several years ago, I bought a, uh, I bought two life-size Yodas off of eBay. And I paid too much money for them. Um, but I saw one and then the guy was like, well, if you buy two. <laughs> and what was funny about it is one was looks just like Yoda from the movies. And the other one was dressed up. It was Yoda dressed up in a Santa Claus suit. And so we started calling him Santa Yoda. And so for several years, we would put Santa Yoda out either by the fireplace or somewhere. But unfortunately, these Yodas were not um, like official Yodas. And what I found out is that they were ones that somebody had made and they had made it by taking the latex Yoda masks and they had got latex arms or hands and feet. And then inside was just kind of like an armature, you know, to make it look like a body and the clothes and stuff. And so while it was really cool, what happened is eventually the latex got brittle and peeled off and broke and Yoda, Santa Yoda kind of developed a hunchback stanch. I tried to straighten him up and I broke his back and, I think the Yodas are done for. It was a lot of money to spend on two Yodas that ended up going in the trash. But I think they did finally both make it into the trash. But um, So, yeah, I do try to sprinkle a little bit of uh, <laughs> Star Wars into the uh, Christmases around here. Um, we do not generally put up Christmas lights, or if we do, we put up very little. Uh, the, the neighbor that lives across from us, we've been calling him... Uh, Clark Griswold because I mean they have I don't know how many lights but it's like like 
it looks like daylight from inside our house uh, because there's so many lights over there. And so, like, we got one string of that rope lighting and the kids ran it down the edge of the driveway. <laughs> so my yard looks like a landing strip for, for airplanes, basically. Um, so... Um, so now what we do with our families is we do a, we get everybody together and we do the, uh, cookie baking tradition. We usually do that sometime the week before Christmas. And so we get all the, the kids or grandkids together. So there could be, you know, oh, a dozen people that gets together. Uh, so we do that. And then on Christmas Eve, we have my family over to, or I'm sorry, we have my wife's family come over to our house. And we all exchange gifts. My wife's family is one of those horrible, wretched uh, people who used to open gifts on Christmas Eve, which in my family, that was a no, big no, 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 no. We did not do that. So her family comes over on Christmas Eve. My family comes too. We all eat. We have a good time. We have a Christmas party. And um, we exchange gifts with her family. And then her family goes home, and then it's Christmas Eve. My kids go to bed. We do the exact same thing that, that I did as a kid. My kids go to their rooms, and they're not allowed to come out until 6 a.m. Uh, instead of having a black and white video camera, now we, we typically videotape. Uh, I say videotape. There's no tape anymore. We we digitally <laughs> record video using either uh, I have a flip cam or uh, something like that. Uh, but we record some of Christmas. We don't record all of, you know, hours and hours of footage. But we record a little bit of the kids opening presents and stuff like that just so we can have that someday. Uh, and then we uh, – so we open all our gifts. And then my dad comes over pretty early on. Um, he tries to see – well, he has every year seen our family and my sister's family. And then we have waffles. I've had waffles on Christmas morning every – Christmas that I can remember in my entire life, except for there was a, a couple of years that I lived out of state. Um, we didn't have waffles those years, uh, two years, but every other year, every year that I've lived in Oklahoma, uh, we've had waffles. And I think every year I've lived in Oklahoma, my dad has cooked those waffles. In fact, he just keeps his waffle iron at our house uh, and it gets used one day a year, Christmas. So he comes over, we break out the waffle iron and we have our Christmas waffles and we have eggs and bacon and we all have breakfast. And then, um, my dad goes over to my sister's house and, um, we take our Christmas nap. <laughs> so a lot of the same traditions that I had as a kid, uh, we have continued. And then, uh, around lunchtime, we go over to my mom's house and we exchange gifts with her. And usually she cooks, um, like a Christmas ham or something like that. So Christmas is a pretty happy time around my house. Um, you know, whenever you get lots of people together, you can always have drama. You can always have someone who doesn't come because they're mad at somebody else or this and that. We really try to avoid all that stuff. We just try get everybody together, have one good night. Um, you know, we eat lots of food. We drink lots of drink. We just um, we we have a good time. You know, and and I try to make sure that. Um, it is about the kids, you know, and so we try to make sure that the kids, uh, if there is drama, that they're not involved in it or, or whatever, you know, because I want my kids to have the same great memories about Christmas and holidays and stuff like that that I had growing up. So anyway, let's move on to New Year's Eve. Now, when I was a kid, I, I've mentioned on the show a few times my friend Andy. Andy um, has 
his name's Andy Wilrath, and and he lived on our street as I was growing up for a long time. They moved away for a year, and then they they moved back to the same neighborhood. And so um, his whole family, the Wilraths, were all friends with my family. So his his mom was friends with my mom. His dad was friends with my dad. Uh, and then the Wilraths had three kids, and Andy is the same age as me. And their daughter, Allison, was the same age as my sister. And then they uh, they had a little brother, Matt, that was in between the two. So Matt usually hung out with uh, me and Andy unless we were um, beating him up or being mean to him. And then he would go hang out with the girls. But So for a lot of New Year's Eves, I remember what would happen is the Will Rass would come over. And so the parents would stay out in the living room and do whatever they were, you know, watch TV or, or have a drink or whatever and, and visit. And the kids, we would all either go to my room, you know. I remember a lot. A lot of times we would, um, we would like, as kids, we would put together shows. I don't know if you ever did that. Did you ever do that? Um, we would put together a show, like a puppet show or something like that. And so we would come up with a script and what we were going to do, or we would do a music, like a, <laughs> like a variety show in my bedroom. And then we would, we would go get the parents and we'd say, okay, we're ready, you know, ready to come see our show. And they would come in there. And I remember one time we did, um, like a, uh, I guess you'd call it like a music performance, but it, not. I mean, we were like lip syncing to uh, uh, the Rainbow Connection from the Muppet movie, and we had all my puppets, and we had set up like like I had an animal, you know, playing the drums. I don't think there's any drums in that song. Maybe he was playing guitar or something. But we had all these instruments set up, and uh, you know, in in my mind. It looked like um, the Rock of Fire explosion from Showbiz Pizza. I'm sure it looked silly, just kids with puppets and stuff set up. But but we had a good time doing that. Um, I remember us playing a lot of Legos. I remember us doing a lot of drawing, those kind of things. And, and of course, the goal was to stay up till midnight because as kids, you know, it's not very often that you're allowed to stay up to midnight. So that, that was um, what we always tried to do. Uh, one really funny story I remember is... Um, one year we decided that we were going to make confetti and then on New Year's Eve, uh, you know, we were going to come out and throw the confetti. And of course it would look just like it does on television, you know, where there would be confetti in the air and, and everybody would be saying happy new year. And so, uh, we, we asked my mom if there were some scissors and we got like all the scissors in the house. And, and so me and Andy and the girls, everybody, um, my dad would get this, um, you know, like the, the wide, ribbon, uh, the paper for the old printers, you know, it have like green and white line paper and stuff. And so we got all this paper. We had tons of that around my house and just started cutting it into little pieces for confetti. And then we went and got this giant Tupperware bowl. We used to call it the popcorn bowl because whenever we made popcorn, you put it in the popcorn bowl. And so we cut up all this confetti and put it in there and, um, filled the bowl, you know? And so, when it was time for New Year's Eve, you know, my, my parents were like, all right, five minutes. And we're like, okay. And we're watching. And then they start counting down 10, nine, you know, they're dropping the ball, uh, four, three. And then we're standing around the corner with our bowl and they say, happy new year. And we run out and we throw this giant bowl of hand cut confetti. And I think it all stayed together in the air. I mean, it just went up and came down plop in this giant pile that got all on the carpet. My parents were staring at us like we were the biggest idiots, you know. It did not look like the confetti that they throw on New Year's Eve. It was just this giant mess that I remember us trying to, we had to pick it up and then we had to vacuum and it, ugh, it was a mess. So that didn't go so well. 
But, um, you know, later on, on, on New Year's Eve, I, th- I think I still remember them coming over. My, my dad was always, um, well, both my parents, they used to call, I, my dad specifically, I remember he used to call New Year's Eve uh, amateur night because that's when um, people, you know, would go out and drink and, and drive around getting accidents and stuff. So he would call it amateur night. So his goal for, for New Year's Eve was to stay put somewhere. And I think that's a pretty good, <laughs> that's a pretty good plan. So that's. Um, you know, what we did as kids, uh, Will Rass would come over, we would all stay put, you know, and not get out on amateur night. So, uh, anyway, New Year's today, I'll tell you this year, I think my wife told me she made it to midnight. Um, I did not make it to midnight. It's, it's something mental, you know, every, every day I get up for work, like, uh, well, right now I'm kind of working a different shift, but normally uh, on a normal work day, I get up like at 6.30. I step to midnight every night. Every night I'm on the computer, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, whatever, uh, till midnight. And then on New Year's Eve, there's something mental. I'm like, all right, well, I guess we're going to stay up. And then about 10.30, boy, my eyelids start getting drowsy. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to make it till midnight. It's ridiculous, you know. And um, as a kid, one of the things for New Year's Eve, there was a couple of things I remember. One uh, was, of course, you know, the Dick Clark and watching the, the specials because they would have musicians and special guests and stuff. And now we watch the same program, but I don't care about anybody that's on that show. I mean, you know, oh, they have Miley Cyrus or they have, you know, it's funny I say Miley Cyrus because at least I know her name. A lot of it's people I don't even know their name. I don't know who they are. Oh, the 2013, this artist, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't know who blah, 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 blah. I don't know any of these people, you know. So I think as a kid, the, the New Year's Eve special was a lot more interesting to me because I knew the people. Um, and also, you know, as a kid, another thing I remember is that on the radio, they would have like the top 100 songs of the year, you know, I would tape those. I would throw in a cassette tape and tape all my favorite songs during that, but they would play the top 100 hits. Or actually, I remember like, you know, the top 83 hits of 83 and the top 84 hits of 84, stuff like that. And uh, so we would listen to that and I would record that. And I remember that being really cool time. And um, now I could care less. I actually looked at um, a couple of different like Pitchfork and somebody else had their... Um, top, uh, you know, 100 songs or top 100 singles of the year from last year. And I didn't, I I think I knew like four of them. So that's, uh, it's unfortunate that pop music has left me by. It's very sad. Um, I'm still listening to the stuff from the top 83 from 83. (laughs) That's what's on my phone. I listen to my car, but, um, yeah. So uh, New Year's Eve around here, you know, like I said, it's, uh, uh, I, I still subscribe to the, uh, you know, amateur night theory. We don't get out on New Year's Eve, and and with kids, it's it's hard. You know, it's it's. Um, I'm not going to take my kids out to somewhere and be out till midnight. And so we've had uh, friends of ours come over a few times or whatever, but for the most part, New Year's Eve is pretty quiet around around here. We don't um, get out and do a lot of stuff. Now this year, we uh, played some Donkey Kong because, as you know. Uh, I have the uh, the sixty and one arcade cabinet set up uh, in our kitchen right now, and um, now Morgan she's started playing Dig Dug, and uh, I looked over the other day and she's on like level seven, so she's she's getting pretty good at Dig Dug for an eight year old. Um, but right now, of course, I'm I'm all mentally I'm on my Donkey Kong kick right now, so I'm I'm playing a lot of Donkey Kong. 
Um, so we did play some games, and we played some board games this year for Christmas Eve, we, or for uh, New Year's Eve, excuse me. We haven't played board games. We don't play a lot of board games here. I wish we played more. Uh, but my for Christmas, one of the kids got Scrabble, and so we played some Scrabble. And uh, we had a couple other uh, games later. Oh, uh, uh, the other kid got um, Life, and, and we used to play Life as a kid. Uh, I remember us, our family playing that, and so we, we played that, and everybody had a good time. So, But, um, yeah, I'd like to get more more board games and maybe more you know video games or stuff like that. I just, um, I'm getting ready to hook up. Uh, I've got all the stuff I need. I'm getting ready to hook up my uh, old Atari 2600 again. You know how you go through phases. You hook stuff up, and then you unhook it and store it, and then you get to missing it, and you pull it back out. So I think I'm going to hook my Atari 2600 up this weekend. And uh, that'd be something fun to do too. So, well, that's pretty much it for Christmas and New Year's memories. Um, I have some other show topics. Uh, I have a show planned about MTV, talking about the old days of MTV. Um, I have another one that I've kind of been scripting on mod chips. I talked, I've did a show before on console copiers, and that kind of ends around the time that mod chips stop. So, or start. So, I think maybe that will be. Um, a continuation maybe of that earlier episode and start talking about mod chips a little bit. So, uh, if you have any feedback or ideas, uh, that you'd like to hear show topics that you'd like to hear, you have feedback on this episode or any other episode of you don't know flag, you can always email me at Rob O'Hara at Rob O'Hara.com. You can call the, you don't know flag voice line, which is area code four Oh five four eighty six. YDKF for you don't know flack and that that goes straight to voicemail so you could call that number 24/7 uh and it will uh, send me the message um you can what else I don't think I have anything else to plug I think that's it we're I'm, I'm kind of I'm shaking off the ring rust we're getting back we're getting back in it I'm back in the game I'm back in it baby so um Anyway, I think that wraps up this episode of You Don't Know Flack. Thank you guys for uh, continuing to support me, continuing to subscribe. And uh, like I said, let me know uh, what you think about the show. I did get some feedback over uh, the holidays, and so I'll be reading those on the next show. And I think that's it. So uh, I hope everybody had a happy holiday season, safe holiday season. And uh, here's to 2014 and another year of You Don't Know Flack.